So I mentioned that we came full circle. We've come full circle in the book of Peter. This letter written by Peter, but it's not quite full circle because there's an escalation. Peter was very bold in Acts chapter five, but he was bold not just because of the restoration to his role that Jesus gave him, which he describes in Luke 22 as he prayed for him and John 21 as he restores him. He wasn't simply bold because of that restoration. No, in fact, that restoration was a new moment in the history of redemption. There's a new moment in the history of redemption, which is why the Spirit was poured out from heaven and why Peter was able to be bold in Acts chapter 5. It's the grace of God that has brought us here. It's peace with God that has brought us here. But it's elevated now. It's elevated to a new level. And so we see in these verses how it's elevated. We see these verses describe to us the purpose of the letter in verse 12. And then there's a greeting uh, that is described in verses 13 and 14 uh, to the, at the beginning. And then finally, a benediction, a blessing that comes from God. So this is what we're looking at, the purpose of this letter, the greeting and the benediction. But all of them hanging together. And that's why it's important that we see this theme of God's grace and his peace that was outlined for us at the very beginning of the uh, letter that Peter wrote, grace to you and peace be multiplied. It truly has been multiplied because it's been escalated. It's now the means by which we go through life. God's grace and God's peace. That's the purpose for this letter. And it's an important purpose when you think about God's grace and peace. Because what has this letter been about? In large measure, this letter has been about suffering. Not a subject that we like to hear about. It's been about being exiles in the world because you have a home in heaven. And it's difficult for us to hear about suffering time after time. Maybe the first few times it's easier because you think, well, I'm suffering because I belong to Jesus. And that's very exciting. But then the suffering continues. And you begin to become weary. And that's when you need to know that God's grace and peace are the means by which you get through. That's why uh, this verse, verse 12, tells us the purpose of the letter. But he starts by talking to us about Savinus which is probably the Latin or Roman version of his name. The Greek form is Silas. That's the version that Luke uses. So Silvanus is Silas. Silas is one who uh, is the means by which this letter is coming. He says, by Silvanus. What does that mean? Well, we get a clue if we look at Acts 15 and verse 22, when we read that it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Silas was one of these leading men. And it says they wrote this letter by them. Silas was the means by which the letter was taken. 
And that's the same way in which this uh, letter has come to us. It's come by means of Silas, Silvanus. Silvanus, uh, who brought this letter, has not only brought the letter to the people who received it in the first place, those people in all those provinces that were to receive the letter that we read about in chapter 1. This letter has come to you by means of Silvanus. You have access to the grace of God revealed in this letter by means of the work of Silvanus. So God was working to bring grace to you when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, but he's also been working to bring grace to you through this man, Silvanus. Wasn't he in jail? Silvanus uh, was the one who delivered this letter. So he's the one who, who brought this letter along. Uh, he, was, he was in jail at, at various points. But um, Silvanus was a Gentile, and so he uh, gives him a statement uh, to accompany him. It says, Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him. By Silvanus, our faithful brother. This is the Silas who appears 12 times in Acts 15 to 18. He's well known. Paul took him along on his missionary journey, Acts 15, 40 uh, says. He's even recorded as having preached, 2 Corinthians 1.19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. He preached. He went along with Paul on his missionary journeys. He's well known, and yet the Apostle Peter uses this language. He says, he is our faithful brother, as I consider him. This tells us a few things. First of all, Peter is sending this, this letter by means of one that he didn't really know uh, personally as well as he knew others. And yet he knows enough about him to know that he's a faithful brother. He uses the word faithful, which is, means trustworthy. It's a word that is used in reference to God in chapter 4 and verse 19. God is a faithful creator. That same word is used of Silvanus. Silvanus, the one who brought this letter. And then you might uh, find the next phrase kind of humorous. When you think of how long it's taken us to work through First Peter. I've written to you briefly. But the reason that we've taken such a long time is because there is so much packed into this brief letter. It's five, chap uh, five chapters. You can read it uh, in a short period of time. And I encourage you to do that. Peter is the author. Silvanus is the bearer of the letter. But this is more than just a letter that updates the people of God. It's a letter that was written to exhort the people of God and to declare God's grace. Look at what he writes. He writes, uh, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. You're given an exhortation. It's an urging to do something. It's an urging to recognize that this is the true grace of God. But at the same time, you're given testimony. You're taught that this is the grace of God. And this is what we need when we suffer. There are times when we need to remember because we are suffering, that God is gracious to us. And this is the means by which we stand. We benefit from God's unmerited favor. 
Peter did not earn the right to be restored by Jesus Christ and given an apostolic ministry. It was a gift of God given to him through the the work of Jesus Christ. And so when you're exhorted to uh, remember that this is the grace of God in which you stand, you're being given the means by which you're able to make it. And so uh, you need that testimony as well. You need God to testify to you that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. You need God's grace when you're grieving. You need God's grace when you're tempted to sin. You need God's grace when you feel like you're better than someone else. You need God's grace when people make jokes about you. You need God's grace when people are opposed to you. You need God's grace in order to stand, in order to make it through life. It's God's grace that enables us to be saved in the way that this letter describes. In fact, God's grace uh, is woven through this letter in multiple ways. It's mentioned at least 10 times in this letter. And it's mentioned in uh, verse 10, as we are told that uh, may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The God of all grace is the one who has called you through this time of suffering. This is the way that you will arrive. This is the grace in which you stand. Notice what it says. It says, in which you stand. As if you're standing in a sphere, an area. We're sitting in a room. We're located inside this room. You are located in the sphere of God's grace. Don't try to live outside the sphere of God's grace. Apart from using the means of grace, the word, sacraments, prayer. Apart from accessing the grace of God that you've been given by the Spirit. The purpose for which this letter was was written is to testify to you, to urge you to see that you live inside the sphere of God's grace. And that is where we need to remain. And so interestingly, because we live inside the sphere of God's grace, because we begin to understand life from inside that sphere, we're able to greet other people through the grace that's been given to us. First of all, the greetings extended to the hearers of this letter. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. She who is in Babylon. I thought Babylon was an Old Testament city, place. But you know that Babylon in the Old Testament was the center of world power. It was a place that the people of God went when they were in exile. The center of world power in the time in which Peter is writing is Rome. Babylon began to be used as a, as a way of referring to Rome. But it's not just simply a code word. The people from Rome greet you. Shh. No, it's actually bigger than that. Because the theme of 1 Peter has been that you are citizens 
of heaven, that you're exiles in this world. So when you're greeted by members of the church from Babylon, you're being greeted by fellow exiles. I saw this goofy video. I use a CPAP machine. And so I go through the airport. I have this little CPAP case. And so this guy uh, made this video of himself passing another person with a CPAP case. And they just walked by and they kind of nodded to each other. You know, another CPAP carrier in the airport. Goofy. But these saints in Babylon, they recognize that you are a fellow traveler. They recognize that you are one who is in exile with the, like them because you live in the sphere of God's grace. And so they greet you. It's like a salute. They're greeting you from Rome. They're greeting you from Babylon. Babylon, that's described in the book of Revelation. Babylon, this world that tries to swallow up believers. Not us. We're able to greet each other. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. That's an interesting phrase. You know who Mark is? He's the author of the Gospel of Mark. But many scholars believe that the outline of Mark's gospel came through recollections from Peter. There was a tight relationship between Mark and Peter. They're called father and son here. Mark, my son. Intimate, affectionate language. And he greets you. The author of the Gospel of Mark greets you. The church in exile greets you. The church in Rome greets you. And then you're told to greet one another. Because you live in the sphere of God's grace, you're able to understand what a true Christian greeting should be like. This means that we have to deal with our conflicts. This means that we have to extend forgiveness. Because what you're told to do in greeting one another is to give one another a kiss of love. In the New Testament times, a kiss was a gesture of respect or a greeting. It was, it was like a handshake in our culture, but even more, maybe like a hug. It was not viewed in the romantic, uh, sexualized way that we tend to view it. Paul is very clear about this gesture. He calls it a holy kiss. Greet one another with a kiss of love. But I want you to understand that when you're greeting one another in this way, an affectionate way, maybe it's a hug, maybe it's a handshake, maybe it's a fist bump, but it has affection attached to it. You cannot hold on to things that seem to knock someone else out of the sphere of God's grace. You cannot hold on to those times that you've been angry with them. You cannot hold on to bitterness and greet one another with this type of greeting. This is the way that we extend to one another the privilege of living in the sphere of God's grace. We receive them and greet them 
because they are in the sphere of God's grace. Because they are in that sphere with us. Unmerited favor. The church in Babylon knows that you're suffering. And they greet you. They salute you because you are suffering. And what suffering people need is to know that someone cares. They know that God cares. But they feel it when you greet them. Over time in the history of the church, uh, this kiss of love began to be changed in the way people interacted with one another. We're not tied to this particular way of greeting one another. But it needs to be warm. It needs to be affectionate. It needs to communicate that you receive another person because they're in the sphere of God's grace. And that is the beautiful thing about the order in which these verses come. We get the purpose for the letter that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. And then we're told how to greet one another on the basis of that grace. Finally, there's a benediction. And the benediction is an echo of the way that this letter began. Remember back in chapter 1 and verse 2, God's word said, Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. How could it be that God's grace would be multiplied? And his peace. It's because it's extended to every single believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, extended through the course of your life. There's never a day when you wake up in the morning in which you have not been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And notice what's in the center of that verse. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. That means united to him. It's the prepositions in the New Testament that speak most loudly sometimes. That word in, in Christ, tells you about the context of your entire life. That's why there's peace with God. That's why you're able to have peace with one another. This peace is being multiplied because Jesus Christ is united to every single one of those that he came to save. And so we've come full circle. We have the benediction declared after grace has been accented in verse 10 and verse 12. Grace and peace. It comes so easily to our lips. But the point of First Peter is that this is the way we live. This is the way we greet one another. This is the way that we remember the course of our lives. It's not been a path that's been easy. We've heard difficult things in First Peter. But we've come full circle. Not a circle that's free of suffering or persecution for the name of Christ or free of care. But we've come full circle in a way that has been elevated. We now know that God's grace and the peace that we have because we're united to Jesus Christ is given to every single one of us. It is the means by which we stand. It is the final statement of blessing on our life. There is nothing 
more precious that could be said about your entire life than that you stood in God's grace. And you know the peace of God. And you know what? That's where you begin, and that's where you will end because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, when we see this word, Amen, here, we know that it means, so be it. We know that it means that our prayer has been offered to you. But we recognize that when we acknowledge this letter, when we acknowledge that your grace and peace with you has been extended to us and multiplied throughout all of the course of our life and through the course of every believer's life, we realize the true wonder of being united to Jesus Christ. Because when we wake up in the morning and we're grieving or we're tempted to sin or we're meditating on something that someone said to us, we stand in your grace. We are received by your unmerited favor and we are joined to Jesus Christ. And we have the privilege of greeting one another in that same way as people who have that high and holy privilege. And we see people who are suffering for Jesus Christ, exiled in a world like this one. And we salute them. We greet them. Just like we have been greeted. And so when we recognize this peace has been given to us by being united to Jesus Christ, from the depths of our being, with everything that we have, we declare to you that that is what you have done in our life. And it gives us peace. It gives us the ability to be peacemakers. But at the end of the day, what really matters has been settled. If we trusted in Jesus Christ, everything that needed to happen has already happened. We have peace with you. We are received into your sphere of grace. And we desire to live in that sphere every day without regarding ourselves as being able to step out of it. We desire to greet one another in a way that sings of your grace. And we desire that the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we are united, would be the means by which people see a life that is at peace with you. And a life of someone that you are at peace with because of Christ. Everything has been settled. And now we live it out. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.